Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. It is literally the last episode of 2022. Actually, it's a little bit of a lie. This episode, it's eight lessons I learned in 2022 that really changed my life. And because there's eight of them, it's kind of a lot. And so I broke it up four in this episode, four in an, in a part B, um, which I'm going to put up this week. So it's like the last set of episodes of 2022. Um, I wanted to share these with you because I feel like one, some of them may resonate with and echo some of the lessons you've learned, which may just really validate your experiences this year. But any of them that are fresh, I hope they really just build you, encourage you, and give you some food for thought as you head into 2023. Now, because I'm hitting these kind of lightly, they will be rich, but if there's anything you'd like me to dig deeper into, please shoot me a message and let me know, and I would be happy to make a full-length episode out of it. Also, in Life Hacks, I shared my New Year's Planner which is, it's a downloadable guide that I created of pretty much my process, the way I go into a new year that is different than your traditional just build resolutions and fail by March kind of approach. I don't like to fail. <laughs> and so I like to succeed. So I have a unique way that I go into my new year, partnered with the Holy Spirit. It's very effective, very energizing, very encouraging, very doable. And I wanted to make that available to you guys. So that's in Life Hacks. So make sure you stay through to the end. The link for that is in the show notes. And this week, I'm gonna also be dropping uh, part two as a bonus episode. So make sure you're watching and subscribed. Share it with a friend. Let's dive in. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey, good morning, you guys. I say good morning because it's morning for me, but I hope you're listening to this at any point in your day. I'm really pumped about today's episode. It is my top eight lessons learned in 2020, 2022. <laughs> How many twos are there? 2022. And uh, as I was writing this, literally just now, I think I wrote it in about 30 minutes, um, I got really excited. I was like, oh, dang, I could break down each of these into their own episode. So I'm going to hit them lightly. But as you are listening to this episode, obviously, I don't want to give you so much that you're drowning. Um, as you're listening to this episode, if there's one or two or three or whatever of these points that really jump out, you're like, oh, I want to hear her dig deeper on that. Would you send me a message and let me know if you tag me on social media or shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me or if you have my phone number, text me or whatever. Let me know if any of these lessons learned in 2022 are you feel like something meaty enough to really dig into into a full length episode. Um, I would love to hear that because, again, I build my episodes around what you guys want to hear as much as I can. So let me know that. Also, if you didn't catch last week's episode, I created a really cool resource. It's a downloadable planner guide um, where I kind of took my process for, for going into the new year with strategy and hearing the voice of God for my year. Uh, I, I take a different approach to resolutions. I don't just build a bunch of goals. I like to celebrate what God has done this year. Um, create an altar of remembrance in in however I choose to celebrate 
Um, and then I put my ear to the Lord's heart and hear what the Holy Spirit's plans may be for my year or where he wants me to put my focus. Granted, he doesn't unfold like a huge, like lay out a big old plan typically, but I like to build my direction off of what I sense he is putting my focus on and, and a promise he may give me for the year and whatever. So I took my process and I put it into basically a big worksheet that is a downloadable planner that you can download. It is actually, I'll drop it in the notes of this episode as well. That way, if you want to get a hold of it, you can, um, and it can be a tool for you for planning for the new year. Okay, with all that said, let's jump into this episode. I'm really pumped. These are some incredible uh, lessons as I was looking back. I was like, oh, these are rich. So top eight lessons of 2022. These are things that throughout my year, I realized are really important truths. Obviously, everybody has learned their own unique lessons for the year. In sharing mine, I hope maybe it could either add validation or voice to you if you experienced the importance of some of these lessons in your own life, Um, but also that it may give you just something to chew on, just a fresh word. So first one I, I recognize the importance of is gratitude. I feel like this came out with my kids a lot. Uh, This came up in my heart a whole lot. And for some context, this year was actually uh, a very personally challenging year. My word for the year was restore that the Lord gave me at the beginning of the year. At New Year's, I was pleading with the Lord, God, I feel so broken um, just from walking through some really difficult things the last 17 years of my life, but especially the last few years, I just felt broken and fragmented. And I was like, Lord, please just repair me. I just feel so broken. If you'll just repair me, I was like picturing band-aids, you know, just like put me back together. And he said, generally, I'm not going to repair you. I'm going to restore you. And he said, uh, restoration. I looked up the definition. It means to, to heal and restore to original design, but often with upgrades. And so the Lord was saying, hey, I'm not going to just barely fix you and slap you back together. I'm going to make you a diamond out of what you've walked through. And so with that, I have come to recognize the importance of gratitude to my mental health and my whole approach on life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I used to be baffled over all circumstances. That doesn't mean that you're saying, God, thank you for these horrible things that are happening. Um, But instead, that even in the midst of circumstances, we can give thanks because we can see that God is working. You guys have heard me say this before um, because it pulled me through and preserved my heart from the trauma of losing our home. Back in 2017, our house flooded with Hurricane Harvey. We lost everything we owned. And God held me through that by telling me, and again, I asked him, I said, God, give me something that will protect us from this trauma. And he said, you can stay encouraged by looking to see what God is doing. And that is really at the heart of gratitude. Gratitude is important, not just for your mental health. Um, Any of you who know anything about mental health, gratitude keeps your eyes fixed on the positive and on hope, which actually preserves your mental health and your sanity. 
Um, spiritually, gratitude keeps you in a posture of faith, which says, I believe God is working. Look what he's, what he's doing. It keeps your heart and your perspective in a place of abundance rather than lack. Uh, relationally, gratitude helps you because it energizes your relationships. If you've ever been around someone who's very grateful, there was this old man at our old church. He was so precious. I swear I never heard him say a negative thing. All he would ever talk about is all the things he was grateful for and how precious people were. I wanted to be around him. He was so wholesome. And gratitude does that. It energizes your relationships because it is, it's, a, it's positive energy, if you will, for for using trendy words, um, but it does, it, it causes you to, what's the word, vibrate at a higher frequency. Your body is alive, your body produces energy, and everything that's a higher frequency is more positive, everything on a lower frequency is more negative. Well, lower frequency ultimately leads towards death, higher frequency leads towards life. And so, being positive-minded keeps you functioning on a higher frequency, which is why it feels good to the people around you because subconsciously, and even you can pick up on the energy of people around you, when you're around people who are high energy or optimistic or full of gratitude, it raises your frequency. That's why being around positive people feels good to us versus being around people that are very negative um, because they either pull down your energy or raise your energy. And if they're pulling it down, they're leading you towards death. If they're raising your energy, they're leading you towards life. So relationally, gratitude energizes your relationships. Um, Your character is nurtured by gratitude because it leads you to humility. Gratitude is literally like the antidote for all things. It's the antidote for pride. It's the antidote for depression. It's the antidote for control because when you're full of gratitude, you don't feel the need to control everything because you trust the Lord. Um, Gratitude is literally, it's a game changer. Um, Ways that you can exercise gratitude real quick is play the glad game. If you ever watched Pollyanna, that was one of my favorite movies growing up. I do this with my kids, especially when they're getting really critical of each other. I'll stop and I'll say, okay, I want you to say three things that you are thankful for or that you respect or appreciate about your brother. And it shifts the energy in the room. It shifts your mindset. Um, Celebrating wins, like taking time to literally celebrate. When our house flooded, Every day when I'd pick up the kids from school, I would say, okay, guys, here's what God did for us today. And I would call out, no matter how small it was, I would call out the things he did for us. And it it gave them a mindset of abundance, hope, and provision, even in the midst of loss. And then so pointing out things. So those are some ways that you can practice gratitude. Okay, that's number one. Number two boundaries. You guys have heard me talk about boundaries. I've recorded an episode on it. I want to say it's around episode number 46. I don't know. That could be right. Could be wrong. Um, but boundaries is huge. And, and I'm realizing more and more how many people, how much, how much we in our culture don't understand boundaries. Now it's kind of trendy right now, actually. And I can see God doing this in mankind. And so you'll always see it pop up in culture when it's something God is doing in mankind. But where people are like, oh, you can't control others, but you can control um, uh, who you're around or whatever. There, there's actually a movement of people discovering the importance of boundaries. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life. And then 2 Corinthians 9.7 also talks about how God 
Um, want, God loves a cheerful giver, not one that gives under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And the two are connected because if you're guarding your heart above all else, you're actually protecting the health of your heart so that you can give from a place of cheerfulness. And that's what boundaries do. They actually protect your heart so that you're not so depleted. Um, so when there's a lack of boundaries, for example, I was talking to a friend earlier this week and she was sharing she's basically in a state of burnout from living for years and years and years, um, over exerting herself and not delegating to the people around her and, and not having boundaries in that regard. And she was basically, she was like, I've, I've done this to myself. I realized she's like, I've, I've killed myself because I, I've, I've not delegated. I've not set boundaries. I've not, um, communicated boundaries and my needs. Here's the deal. You can't control other people, but you can control what you participate in and who you participate with. And so one red flag that you are in a place that needs some boundaries is if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed or resentful of either a situation or a person, that is your red flag that you need to step back, evaluate, and set some boundaries. Because a healthy heart or someone who walks in boundaries can walk in peace, cheerfully giving of themselves to the people around them. But when you have gone beyond your limits and you are taking from the health of who you are, then you can't give cheerfully. Then you're giving begrudgingly. And that doesn't bless the Lord. That doesn't bless people. And it doesn't benefit you because it's the path of deterioration. And so you have a responsibility to guard your heart above all else. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, let's see. A oh, wounding. I was trying to read my notes. Wounding often comes from a lack of boundaries. If there's a relationship or even a church experience where you have a lot of wounds and you just feel like, um, really hurt and you have a lot of resentment there, you need to ask yourself. I mean, honestly, rarely are situations totally outside of our control. Rarely. Now, someone may do something to you and you couldn't control their behavior, but many, many, many times we can control whether we make ourselves available to that person, whether we're still around that person. Even if you have a crappy, a crappy, um, what's it called, boss, you can control if you have that job or not. You know, if you are in an abusive relationship, you can control if you're in that relationship or not. Um, if your kids are crazy and, and you, they just give you so much grief, you can control how you allow them to behave in your home by setting boundaries and consequences and, and holding to them. And so the hardest part of boundaries is not having them, it's holding them. And so we can establish boundaries. Here's how you establish boundaries. One, recognize where your limits are. Where are my limits? Where do I need a line? Do I need to only hang out or do I need to only go to my in-laws for an hour at a time? Um, because once we get past the two hour mark, drama happens, you know, then set it for an hour. Um, do I need to tell my boss no because people keep asking me to do things outside of my job description and it's making it harder for me to get my actual responsibilities taken care of? Well, then you need to go and communicate what your limits are and what your boundaries are with people. Now, listen, people don't always respond well to boundaries, but that's not your responsibility. You can do your part to communicate with a spirit of yes and a spirit of I am for you. So you want to make sure you're doing that. You don't want boundaries to come off as daggers or barbs or defensiveness. 
boundaries are the lines you draw so you can safely love you and safely love them at the same time. And you want to make it clear that you want to love them well, serve them well, take care of the relationship, whatever. And that's why you need to draw this line. That's why you need to have this boundary. So if you want more on boundaries, go listen to my boundaries episode. It's really good. <laughs> Lesson number three. I'm trying to get through these quickly so this episode is not too long. Um, coming to the Lord in weakness is another lesson that I learned this year. Listen, listen, Linda, if you have an area in your life where you're struggling and, and you just like, maybe it's an area of sin or maybe it's an area where you just feel like you can't get your act together or whatever it is. First of all, you need to know God is not intimidated by your humanity. He's not. The reason he sent Jesus is because he is fully aware of your humanity and he's not resentful of it. He loves you. He knows you are but dust, the scripture says. He knows you are but dust. His expectations are realistic. By the way, expectations is also a part of having boundaries. Sometimes we need to adjust our expectations. Okay, back to this. God doesn't have expectations of us to be perfect. In fact, the word says that no one is without sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. He's very aware of our humanity and he's not intimidated by it. He has compassion for us in our fragile state. And so... Coming to the Lord in weakness, whether you're dealing with sin or there's an area you can't get your relationships together or your, your act together. I don't mean that rudely. Um, that's how it feels in the moment. He's not intimidated by your weakness. You cannot impress God outside of humility. God says he's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We don't impress God. Like our, our anything good that comes from us came because he gave us grace to do it. <laughs> the only thing that you can actually offer to God, which actually I still think comes as a result of his grace, but is humility, the choice to be humble, the choice to turn toward him. That's the only thing you could offer him because you have a human will, but his grace, the Bible says that we can't even come to him unless he first draws us. And so anything we offer to him is also the result of grace, but you can't impress him with your holiness because it came from him. You can't impress him with your righteousness. You can't impress him with your goodness. None of these things are impressive to him. What is impressive is when you can recognize that none of those things come from you and you need him. <laughs> Weakness and humility our, God knows that's your state. And so to walk in truth means you walk in an awareness of, I need you. There was a, there was a, uh, in fact, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, his scripture, his passage says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And the end goal basically is, is, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm not understanding my notes. His power is made perfect in our weakness. I never fully understood that passage. Um, made perfect, meaning like, oh, that's what my notes were. That was the end goal, was that he would show up for us in our weakness. That I looked up in the original text. That's made perfect means end goal. Like his power, the end goal of his power is to show up in our weakness. If you could, If you want to hear that scripture a little differently. The end goal of his power is to show up in your weakness. And so if you're struggling with sin, say there's an addiction, you can't get away from it, a toxic relationship, you can't get away from it, um, whatever, a habit that you need to break, um, a lifestyle that you have that's hurting you or hurting the people around you, you run to him. Do not feel like you need to present to him, I've got this handled. You don't got it handled. That's why Jesus came. You need him. And so in your weakness, it's important you hold on to two things. You hold on to your identity as a son of God. That does not change. 
When you got saved, you inherited a new identity. You are a son of God, period. No matter what the behavior of your life says, your identity is a son of God. And then secondly, I know I need you. I need you, Father. I need you in my weakness. So you hold to your identity and you come in weakness. That's how you deal with weakness, okay? You hold to your identity and you come in weakness. So even if it's sin, you go, Lord, I am... I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even through your sin, you say that because if you say it enough, your spirit, your subconscious, and your soul will begin to believe it. Your spirit already recognizes the truth of it, but your soul will begin to believe it so that it will begin to change your behavior. You have to hold to your identity, but then you have to come in weakness. God, I need you. If you don't show up and help me. Listen, when I've been in difficult situations I couldn't get out of, I prayed. I was like, God, I know if this situation remains as it is, I will not be able to get away from it. I need you to help me help change this situation, move these pieces so that this situation is not a trap for me anymore. And literally he moved to the pieces exactly as I prayed within 24 hours. And I was like, thank you that you are with me in my weakness. God showed up so kind in my weakest moments, my most sinful moments, my most fragile moments. He shows up kind. He does not shame me for my weakness. Why? Because the end goal of his power is to show up in your weakness. He is literally the hero in the movie. And he loves to be that guy, the hero in the movie. Oh my gosh, I could make an episode on it. Moving on to the next one. Fourth life lesson I learned this year, the importance of staying in church. This is huge, you guys. When you go through something difficult or you feel wounded or... Um, COVID happens or whatever, it is easy to get out of church, especially if you're a single parent and you're the only one trying to bring your kids to church. I have many close people that I know that that it makes it harder, but you have to set your mind to be in church, especially with your kids, because your determination to get to church, they will see that they will catch that. The thing that told me that going to church was important is how determined and stubborn my mom was about not letting us miss church. She was like, unless you're bleeding, dying, or have a fever, we're not missing church. And I remember walking to church when the car was um, down and we didn't have wheels. She did not use that as an excuse. We walked two miles, three miles maybe. I don't think it was three miles. It was about a mile and a half to get to church in Arizona in the heat. (laughs) We walked to church, but you know what that told me? This is important. And so when I, as an adult, went through some difficult things and I, even as a pastor, I didn't want to go to church. I was so unmotivated. I didn't care. I was wounded. I was jaded. I was burned out. I didn't want to go to church, but you know what? I knew that the vulnerability of where I was and I knew that the enemy is strategic and if he can it's kind of like if he can get a sheep off from the flock off by itself it can be it's more easily prey it gets away it gets unprotected it gets disoriented that is what happens when you get away from church and fellowshipping with other believers you become Um, more vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy because you're not under a covering. You're not protected by the fact that the flock is there and they can get your back. There's so many dangers that come from getting off away from church, but there's some beautiful things that happen when you're in church. 
Is it a building? Yes, it is. But the power of the church is not the building. The power of the church is the fellowship of believers and you guys being together. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing comes from Jesus, but he puts an anointing on leaders and on believers. And when you come to church, you are coming alongside of all the anointings that are on all those different believers' lives. So say one Sunday, you're really discouraged. You may find that you cross paths with someone at church who just has a gift for encouraging. And the Lord may put them in your path knowing you need encouragement and they encourage you. That is the benefit of being among believers. Or you might be really struggling with a lie and some deception and you're sitting in service and the pastor is preaching and it feels like he's preaching right to you. And the word goes in to pierce that deception you're struggling with and, and suddenly the truth becomes clear and you're like, oh my gosh, thank you God. I, I see the truth now. You know what I mean? And so it frees you from the struggle that you were in. Or you go to church and they have an altar call and you go down to get prayed for. And the agreement, the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. And where two um, may agree on a thing, they have what they've asked of, of me. And so being there in fellowship, there is something about the synergy of the anointings and the faith of believers coming together in agreement for a thing can break things off of your life. And so fellowship encourages you, it strengthens you. Being in uh, a, been, being in fellowship with other believers, they can point out things in your life and say, hey, why haven't you, are you okay? Like you seem really discouraged or you seem like you're struggling. Let's go talk. Having people around you, relationships save us. Relationships are important. So being in church is important. Be in the word of God, in the atmosphere where the water of the word of God can wash you. It is really important. That doesn't mean you don't spend time with God separately and independently at home. That serves its own purpose and you need that. But you you put yourself in harm's way and in danger if you get away from being at church. Now, if you're in an unhealthy church, find a healthy one. You know, I'm not trying to teach you to hold on to something that's not going to be good for you. If you're in a very unhealthy church and they're teaching some weird doctrines and um, it's controlling. I mean, I have a I have a friend. We had to go rescue her from a church because it was controlling, very fear based, very works based. It was it was causing her mental health to decline. That's a bad church. Don't be in that church. Find a church where the fruits of the spirit are evident. The freedom of the Holy Spirit is there. The word of God is loved. Worship is honored. The presence of God is honored. Be a part of a healthy church. Be in relationship with believers. Okay, today's life hack. Now, if you missed last week's episode, I actually go in depth on this in last week's episode, which I received feedback from a listener. She said, you have single-handedly in that one episode turned me into a podcast lover. I loved it. And I was like, what? She never listened to podcasts before, but she listened to last week's episode and she said it was so good. She just enjoyed it. She downloaded the planner and she's gonna do it with some friends. Um, so what it is is... At New Year's, we like to plan all of these resolutions, which usually we pull from those places where we feel like we failed this year or we just want to do better next year. And so we build a plan, which is good. It's good to build plans and build goals. Um, but historically, only 9% of people ever reach their goals and reach and fulfill their resolutions, which to me is kind of not great because we're practicing 
failing at what we set out to do, which I don't think is a good practice, right? And so my mantra is work harder, not smart, smarter, not harder. And I'm like, there's always a better way to do things. If typically people fail, how can I do it differently so that I will succeed? And I realize I have just a philosophy based on the word of God that God has plans for me. They are good and they're not for harm. He knows my future. He knows my personality. He knows my history. He knows what 2023 holds. And so who better to sit down and strategize my year than with the Holy Spirit? And so I thought through what my process is for sitting down getting a word, looking through the previous year, um, writing down my wins, celebrating what God has done, and then looking forward for the next year. And I, I built it into a, like a workbook is a long, that, that's too lengthy. It's like a worksheet. It's like a long worksheet. And it's got a few steps in it and you could break it up over a couple of like meditative sessions or you could do it all at once and do it or you could just use parts of it, however you want to do it. But anyways, I put it into a downloadable guide that it's really pretty, really kind of streamlined and you can kind of it's there's not a whole lot of writing space. But if you print it out on on one sided paper, you can always write more on the back side of each paper. Um, but it's just meant to be a tool to kind of help give you a different strategy, a different approach. If you are tired of the whole resolutions failed by March scenario, this is just a different approach. I have found that when I partner with the Holy Spirit's wisdom and get instructions or even guidance from him when I'm trying to reach a goal, A, he keeps things really simple. He knows what I can accomplish. He doesn't put burdens on our shoulders ever. That's just not his nature. So he doesn't create all these weighty burdens. If he gives me steps to accomplish something, they're going to be simple. They're going to be doable. And if I'm consistent and faithful in it, it will bear the fruit that I'm looking for. And I just love the way he does that. He's just good like that. And so planning for 2023 when you sit with the Lord and hear his heart, it has a way of like filtering to the most important things to focus on. So you don't burden yourself down with all kinds of goals that maybe aren't where the grace is for your year. So that's what I did. And I'm putting it in life hacks just so that it's a reminder. You can do that before new year. So feel free to do that. Share the link with um, friends. If you have anyone who you think would be thrilled about it, or you'd like to do it with, or, um, just someone you feel like could benefit from it. That's right there in the show notes. You can check it out. And, or you can also go to javawithjenpodcast.com and all my links are there and it should be one of the top links in my link tree there. So anyways, um, don't go anywhere because part two, I'm going to be publishing as well. It's available this week and you're going to want to hear the last four lessons from crucial life lessons I learned in 2022. Okay. Talk to you later guys. Love ya. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. 
find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple, and He wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.